Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of I'm Not Fine. Um, this week is episode six of season two. Um, and oh, how, how are we going to phrase this episode? I think we'll just call it the phrase that we've started with. Yeah. Um, when is it time? Yes. So what, what are we talking about here, Meg? We're going to be discussing many different, I guess, yeah, time milestones yeah. in recovery. Yeah. Um, events. Not all big and miraculous, no. but parts of recovery and I guess the parts that you can kind of lead or judge yourself. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it because there are lots of parts that just happen naturally yeah. based on an active choice. But we're looking at the parts that um, I guess it is misleading to say when is it time as if we have like an accurate. Yeah, we don't have. We like don't have a normal book, guys. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I wish we did. Um, yes, it would have made things so much easier. It would. And, and of course, the process of recovery is not linear. So, no, so this, it will look different for everyone. Exactly. But we're thinking, and it's probably best for us to actually get into it so we can actually demonstrate what we're <laughs> talking about. But we're thinking of, yeah, looking at some, as you said really well, some milestones of recovery and when is it time to delve into it? When is it time to... Um, move away from things in recovery yeah. um yeah i think i think that's probably the summary yeah. that we needed i think so yeah so what is our first point our first topic is when is it time to start involving professionals in your recovery mm, yeah that's cool i think as always it's very different for different people yes but i guess it's a different trajectory and yeah. a different a, yeah, a way of realising that recovering might be something they need to do. Yeah, or that they have something that needs to be recovered from. Yeah. Um, and oh, that's what we need to talk about in another episode, all that contemplation, pre-contemplation. <laughs> yes, that's, recovery. yes, that's the more um, <laughs> eloquent term for it. That will be coming at some stage. Yes. So when you're at the beginning of recovery um, or even when you've relapsed and you need to re-engage with the team, Yeah. Um, it's – when is it time? If you've identified yourself that yes. you have a disordered relationship with food or exercise, or if you've come to the realization that you're not happy. Yeah, which I think is a really important distinction because yeah. you might not recognize it as a disordered relationship no. in the moment because it's really hard to, but you might not be happy with your relationship with food yeah. and exercise. Like you might hate the fact that you get up and have to do ex exercise before you can get on with your day or yes. like if it's raining and you still have to go out and exercise and you it's the last thing you feel like but you absolutely have to do it yeah and you start getting really annoyed with that that you might not recognize that as disorder but it might really like mess up your day yes exactly the compulsion and the inability to stop or um when it comes to you know binging purging all those different behaviors if it's interrupting your day but you don't define it as a disordered relationship, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. But it could be that unhappiness with whatever behaviour you're doing that leads you to talking to someone. Yeah. It never hurts to go to a GP or no anyone, any medical professional and say, hey, I'm really unhappy with this thing that I'm doing in my life. It's not a choice. It's a compulsion or it feels like I have to do it. Yeah. Can you help me out? Yeah. Um, I think also on that note, if you do go to someone and you get some uh, like immediate support or introductory support, that person might identify that you need yeah. to get in touch with a in disorder professional. Yes. 
Um, and that is a really good time to start involving professionals. Yeah. If another medical professional has said to you, hey, I think you're, they might not even, uh, like this hap- This is how it happened for me. I, yeah. My psychologist that I was seeing for anxiety, she was the one that identified my eating disorder, but she specifically didn't tell me eating disorder because she knew those words would make me just get up and run and yeah. never listen to a single word yeah. she said. You'd be like, you're, you're wrong. Yeah. Oh, never talk to you again. <laughs> Literally, that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> she and she knew that. that. Yeah. <laughs> so she just said that she was referring me to some professionals and she wrote back to my GP and I'm sure she told my GP that it was an eating disorder, but she did not tell me that it was. And that really helped because I trusted her. I'd been seeing her for about six months at that stage and I had gone along really well with her and she'd helped me so much so I really trusted her and when she said you need to see someone about it I was like oh okay maybe I actually do need to see someone about this yeah and it's a slow burn when you do see somebody and you're sitting there and you're like you're wrong you're so wrong yeah yeah and then you end up in treatment months later yes but yeah I think that's yeah I think I think from a professional to another professional. Yeah. What's the other sort of dynamic that could happen if you don't recognize it yourself? If someone close to you has yeah. raised it, and they might, and you might have the same reaction that I would have had, which is to be completely in denial. Yeah, and, and angry, probably. and angry. Yeah, yeah, so angry about it. But the fact that someone's raised it with you is probably gonna spark something in your head. Yeah, that makes you realize, like people especially with people that they love and care about, you're not looking for, not that it's a fault, but you're not looking for something wrong. No. And you'd probably get really worried if you did identify that something was wrong with someone yeah. you cared about. So they're not going to tell you unless they really think it's a problem. Yeah, definitely. I think um, people around us sometimes know us more than we know us yeah. in, in a moment in time, especially when we do have a disordered relationship with food or exercise. And the issue is, of course, that the world has a disordered relationship with oh, food absolutely. and exercise. Diet culture is everywhere. It is. So it's really hard to know what's just a harmless yeah. diet yeah. and what is, yeah. So, yeah, I think taking your cues from other people yeah, definitely. Um, and trying to go into if when it is time to start involving other like professionals or other professionals going in with it, in, to it with a, whew, it's hard to get out, <laughs> open mind. Yeah, definitely with an open mind. And trying not to be urge. defensive. Yeah. On, but, yeah. But also if you are defensive, it's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Completely that is a-okay. A-okay. completely normal and I can guarantee you would not be the first patient oh, that no. they would have dealt with that. No, they're not going to be like, oh, we can't see you anymore because you got angry. Yeah. They're, no. they're, they're mental health professionals. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone gets angry. Um, do, you do you reckon that's enough? On yeah, I think that was a good segue into yeah. our next one. Yeah. If on the occasion when it's not a loved one that raises it, when is the right time to tell your loved ones and the yeah. people that are really close to you? I think broadly, um, again, depends what stage of life you're in, like yeah, who your depends loved ones who they are, are, whether you absolutely. live with them, all those sorts of things. But preferably when you're comfortable, yes. when you feel comfortable. Yeah. When I think having to be comfortable with your diagnosis, but yeah. also be comfortable with them knowing. Yeah. And also if if this second point sort of um supersedes is that what i'm trying to say maybe I think so yeah thanks um, <laughs> um 
if a professional suggests that it might be a good idea, yeah, you might have to deal with some discomfort. There. Oh, well, that's exactly how I did it. <laughs> yeah. I was very uncomfortable. Yeah. So it is good to be comfortable as possible, but if it is like, you know, if, if you're in a position where you do need to tell someone yeah. for your safety and for preservation of recovery, it may be uncomfortable, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah. And I think it was a comfortable discomfort, if that yeah. makes sense. It does make sense. <laughs> like I, I, for me, I, my psychologist told me that I had to tell my mom yeah. and gave me a deadline. Oh um, yeah. That's hard. Yeah. Shit. It's very hard. Um, <laughs> And I did it. Mm. And as much as I didn't want to, because I was really uncomfortable with telling my mum, I also kind of welcomed it because yeah. I, I needed her to know. I didn't want to be the one to have to tell her. I genuinely was going to drag mum to my appointment with me and get my psychologist to and tell her. And then just her. run out? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Bye. Um, which, which my psychologist was like, look, I'll do it if you force me to, but I'd prefer that you tell her beforehand because I want her to know what she's walking yeah. into which makes complete sense but I really didn't want to have to be the one to tell her but at the same time I desperately wanted her to know yeah it's hard because yeah. you want the relief and just to sort of surrender a bit of perceived control yes and to tell a loved one does take power from your eating disorder oh absolutely and if you are in the position like um me telling my mum or dad when I've relapsed not so much at the initial diagnosis, but when I relapsed, it was really hard because it was not comfortable no, because you, you're giving power from your eating disorder to your parents. And if you're living at home with them, it's scary because yeah, they're going to be watching. Yeah, you. meal plans are a thing and all of that. <laughs> like it's, and you feel like you've also like let someone down. Yeah. Um, and and it, you feel like you feel like a burden. Yeah. And, you, and Especially for me telling my mum, I was very fortunate that my mum told the rest of my family yeah. for me so I didn't have to keep having that conversation over and over again, which was great. But oh, where was I going with this? You telling your mum initially? No. Nah, oh, yeah, I didn't want to see her upset. Yeah, I absolutely. And I knew she would be upset because who wouldn't? Um, but I really didn't want, like, and she cried and I was devastated that I'd like put my mum in a position where she was that upset yeah um but people like knowing yeah I think that's the message as well that it's really hard it's really yeah she wasn't crying because she was like sad that I well she was crying she was, she was sad that, yeah she was sad for me but she wasn't sad that I told her she no. was very thankful that I told her yeah and it's a hard one to remember because you don't like eliciting any uncomfortable response from, or distress from yeah. someone you feel like the worst person in the world oh absolutely but it's necessary and people like knowing yes what I found out that like my parents were on the times that I did relapse and actually tell them <laughs> um they were grateful because they're like now we have a name for it we know what's yeah. happening we know what to do yeah and if they have seen you because you're in a different position to me where you were living with your parents they'd probably seen you struggling yes. and they weren't sure if it was a full-blown relapse or if you're just having a tough day yeah they didn't know what you needed from them. Yes, exactly. So when is it time to tell a loved one? When you yeah, when you feel comfortable, when a yep. professional suggests it. Also when you think you might need their support. If you yeah. need them to know, yeah. Because you need someone in your corner, then yeah. And it's a really it's a really empowering oh, step definitely. telling someone, I need your support right now in these areas. Yes. It's 
so nice and so clarifying for both people. Um, yeah, I guess the next next one's a bit more nuanced and yeah. not something that someone ever, ever needs, needs to, to do. do. Yeah, but it's something that you may choose to do. Yeah. So, Meg, when is it time to go public with your eating disorder struggles? Well, yeah, the first answer that we came up with, which came straight away, was never if you don't feel comfortable with it. No. There's no obligation to tell the world or even anyone really. Yeah. As long as you're getting the support you need. Yeah. And yeah, that's a big caveat. If yeah. you're getting the support you need, you don't need to bring other people in if you don't want no. to. Because there's no, like, I know we're, we've got a podcast about it. <laughs> but this... We're pretty open about it. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise! Eating disorders, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> and I think we've both been open for a few years now about our about both of our struggles. Yeah. Um, but there's there's no obligation, there's no contract when you have an eating disorder that you no. have to share your experience. No, not at all. Oh, any mental illness or any physical illness, you don't yeah. owe the world anything. No, you don't. And going public also can look different to different people. Like yes. some people might have a public Instagram account yep. about it where they post about their struggles and recovery and all that. And some people might just have a handful of friends that they tell. Yeah. And, yeah. And there's no there's no, dif- like, there's no difference in good or bad. No. Or... It's whatever works for you. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Similar to when is it the time to tell loved ones, but another time to tell to go public is when you feel comfortable with answering the questions that will come with it. Yeah. Because it's different telling a loved one because you don't mind, well, depending on your relationship with the person you're telling, you don't mind them being privy to certain information. Yeah. But if you tell anyone, they're going to have questions. Exactly. And it is the issue here where questions can be triggering. Yeah. Questions can keep you stuck in your eating Absolutely. disorder. Um. They can bring back that whole imposter syndrome, yeah. sick enough narrative. Yeah. And, you know, if you're in a workplace and there's a lot of diet culture stuff yeah. going on, it could make it harder for you to be there. Absolutely. There's a lot There's a lot that goes into this that is understandable why someone wouldn't yeah, be public. Yeah, why you wouldn't want to go public with um, I guess the the important thing is that, you know, any any illness, any mental illness, there should not be a stigma attached to it. Absolutely. And raising awareness is brilliant, but only if it's safe for you. Yeah, that's a good good distinction. It's got to yeah. be safe. And if you put it on the internet, like you can't really control where it goes. You no. can have all the privacy settings in the world, but you still can't people, people control. People will, will find it. Yeah. But if you feel like you're going to be well supported by telling the people that you're telling, yes. Then yeah, that's a good time to do it. Yeah, and I think with the last point of telling loved ones and with telling people publicly, do it when you feel like you can put boundaries in place Yes, as well. that's a really good distinction. So we, we love boundaries. They're great. It's to keep each other, um, you know, supported but yeah, also respected. Respected and, and safe. Safe, yeah. Because you don't want to be fielding all these questions being like oh what was your lowest weight yeah. what did you what did you eat in the day oh, i wish i had your self control <laughs> so bad because people might be well meaning and be like oh wow you didn't even like look that sick i yeah. had no idea that yeah. you were going through that and they think that they're complimenting yeah, you yeah and you're 
really like triggered by it. Like you don't have to answer questions. If someone says no. to you, oh, I ate this in a day, is that okay? Like you're not suddenly a professional. No. So you have a you have a lived experience, but you're not a dietitian. Yeah. Unless so, you are a dietitian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which is hard having having me sort of be a dietitian. I'm imagining that would be quite hard. Uh, yeah. Um can't but, speak from that one. No, I can't. Yes. No. <laughs> I'm just a student. Um, yeah. So boundaries are boundaries very important. So important. But also it can be quite empowering to tell people, and again, in a way that you feel comfortable. I went pretty public with my eating disorder on the day that I was discharged from my first, yeah. my long admission, which is the admission where I accepted and realized that I had an eating disorder. Which is a huge step. Yeah, it was. And so I felt on my discharge day that I was in a position where I wanted people to know what I'd been going through. And you had some of the answers. That you could yeah, exactly. And I was in a position where I could put up boundaries and where I knew what I was talking about. Yeah. I think had I tried to post something before my admission, I wouldn't have had any idea of what I was talking about really. And I didn't accept that I had an eating disorder or that I was as sick as I was. Yeah. So that would have made it really hard. But I did get a lot of a lot of messages I posted it on Instagram and Facebook and I got quite a lot of messages and they were all really supportive Good. and a lot of people told me of their own lived experience or a lot yeah. of ones lived experience but in a respectful way yeah like I was really lucky that I didn't get a whole bunch of well-meaning but irreverent messages yeah I just got a lot of support from people so it was it felt right yeah and it felt like I was doing it because I wanted to, not because anyone was making me do it. And yeah. I think that was really important. No one, like, no one had realised that I'd been gone for however long I'd been gone for and wanted to know why and I felt like I had to make a public post because of that. Yeah. I did it. It would have been empowering doing it Yeah, I did it for myself, exactly. And, yeah, the support I got was amazing. So I think there's a right time to do it. There's yeah. definitely wrong times. And Absolutely. had I done it in a wrong time... I don't think I would have done it the right way. Yeah. I think what I, I sort of had a very public start to my eating disorder because I was 11 um, and that was a little bit of an anomaly back then. Um, sadly, not so much of an anomaly now. No. Um, with eating disorder. It's just another topic. Yeah. With very unfortunate. It is, yes. Um, across the globe, eating disorders are getting younger and younger. Um, but, yeah, it was very public and then I guess, as going through different life um, stages, going from primary school to secondary school to uni, you meet new people and some people yeah. don't know, some people do know. Um, but I think the most rewarding experience I've had in terms of sharing my story and my kind of thing journey, <laughs> um, my story has been when I'm in a good place. Yeah. Because you feel like you're putting out an authentic message and something that you can yeah be equipped to respond to in terms yeah. of questions and um yeah knowing when it's you're not always going to know when the right time is no but you need to know you need to feel as if you've got the resources the yeah. energy mentally and physically the answers, all of those, the answers. You know you're going to get questions yeah um, so for our question of when is it time to go public with eating disorder? Very, very ambiguous answer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, but I guess it can be summarized and it's different for everyone. Yeah. 
and if you're having any anxiety or apprehension about it or it feels really uncomfortable, it's possibly not the right time. Yeah. And if you are going through really intensive treatment, maybe yeah. wait a bit. Yeah. Step back. Because you don't want to put anything in a public sphere that you want to take back later because you can't take it back. Yeah. And also, as always, when using social media, be, be, think about other people. Yeah. In terms of sharing explicit details and all of those things, just know know what you would want to see as someone who's exactly. um, fighting really hard to recover. Yeah, that's mm. a really good point, Em. Thanks. Okay. Oh, this next one's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, it is. It's scary but fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I meant fun to talk about. <laughs> I mean, it is fun too. It is fun to do as well, yes. Okay, guys, you can decide for yourselves whether it's fun, scary, or both. When is it time to move away from it? Oh, yes. Mm. Um, Number one. Yes. Very, very important caveat when it has been okay by your team. Yes. It's not a unilateral decision. No. You can't just wake up one day and be like, okay, I'm done with my meal plan. Yeah, just because you've been on it for X amount of time does not mean that you're ready to get off it. It might mean that you're ready to have a conversation about getting yeah. off it, but you can't just, yeah. Also know that you don't actually have to just one day decide to get off your meal plan and just get rid of the whole thing <laughs> yeah you could have like i think as with most things in recovery stages and step-by-step yeah. -step process starting with one snack and then yes. a meal and then yeah gradually build it up and i mean you can keep it as a guideline for the rest of your life like yes. there's no reason why you have to suddenly change up the three meals and three snacks thing i i don't think i will ever well, except for like you know like growing up different meals and blah 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 and you know change of schedules but in my life I think I'll always have three meals three yeah, snacks it's just what works it's just me. what works exactly it's what my body needs and my body's used to it now and, and you sort that's of what we do you you set your day around it people yeah. set their workplaces around it. like you're always going to have lunch a lunch schedule at you know like when you're in high school or primary school you have your like your, your breaks your breaks come home because you, you need to have you need to have adequate and regular nutrition yeah just anyone yeah but when you are wanting to move away from your meal plan another reason why you might want to move away from your meal plan is because you're sick of the lack of variety yeah if you're coming in a position like emma and i were where we were in treatment that had a snack list Oof. and so meals well meals were meals but snacks were off the snack list for, to be fair it was a pretty good it was a very snack extensive list. Snack yeah. list. no no hate to the snack no list. it was great and we very much needed it at the time yeah and it got to a point where i just got sick of the lack of variety well, yeah and sick of having to buy a specific brand yes because they're always expensive like, yes they were never on sale it was never not, a home brand it would be on sale one week and then not on sale the week yes. that i needed it and oh, it was just yeah so i really wanted to be able to buy food that was on sale yeah or different, different brands, flavors different flavors because sometimes yes. you're only allowed certain flavors you know like a type of muesli bar and it was like i don't want it <laughs> so yes there was um lack of variety yeah. very much made me realize that i wanted to move away from the snack list yeah i think also if you're within that lack of variety if you're just having the same things all the time yeah it might be a good idea of talking to your team and having a few more options. Yes. Um, which can lead you towards getting that variety. Um, what else? When you feel like you can deal with the uncertainty, mm. and I don't mean like wild uncertainty of like, 
I don't know what I'm eating it all, but rather that if you've come from a background where you have had like been on a graded snack system where it's like yeah. one, two, three, or like ABC or whatever it is, and the uncertainty of maybe like the volume that you're going to be eating yeah. or the different, I don't know, energy requirements if you're still having to count them for yeah. whatever reason. And rather than having a like snack equivalent, mm. just having what feels good. Or maybe if you're out somewhere getting yeah. like a coffee and cake yeah. and it might not fit perfectly into the meal plan, but it's what feels good for you. Yeah, I like that. feels good. And what will, yeah, make you feel good. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, also there is, there is a joy in not having to stick by timings yeah meal plans thrive on timings they do. and they're there for a reason so that you have breaks in between meals and snacks but also have them regularly enough that your body adapts to it yes but being able to stay over at someone's house go on holidays even just like go out during the day and like catch up with someone and not having to have something at 12 o'clock or yeah o'clock. even for me going back to work because my yeah. break times at work are different to oh, you don't, the you, meal times that I have in treatment yeah sometimes you you sort of you know like an hour later yeah like it's not just 15 minutes difference no. so it's very much I mean I was still on a meal plan when I first went back to work, but it got to the point where I was like, I can't have it as rigid as the timings because my job doesn't allow for that. And it's great that you have the flexibility to move away from that. Exactly. Um, When else? When it feels natural. Yeah, I think so. You do get to a point in recovery where you're like, I actually don't need these confines exactly as they are. Exactly. it has to feel logical and manageable with your schedule. And a lot of people, as we've said, do have breaks in the day yeah. and designated for food. Yeah. And that's great. And normal. Yeah. But it will feel more natural when, yeah, you go out for different meals and might have more or less. Or like, you know, when you're able yeah. to look at food as um, obviously not, fuel, but also yes. experiences and socializing and like. Not calculation. No, and not having to look at I just ate A, so I can't eat B. Yeah. Sort of being able to look away from, as you said, the calculations. Yeah, and, and then like, not just a bunch of food groups on a plate. Yes, exactly. Looking at it as what tastes good. Yeah. Um, which is so liberating. <laughs> it really is. Um, okay. All right. So I think we're up to our next question. When is it time to introduce physical activity? As with the one above, when it has been okay. (laughs) Absolutely. Again, (laughs) this is not something you wake up one day and decide that you're going to do. And it's not something you listen to on a podcast and then the next day decide to. No. Yes, we're not telling you to start physical activity. Uh -uh. You cannot reference us as a source. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so once, once you're physically able to and also once you're team decides that you're in a mental state that you're yeah, able that's to. that's really important. It's about yeah. being in a physical state and a mental state. Yeah, it's not just about physical stability. Guys. No. Um, also, more, the more personal ones, when you know the intention is not disordered. Yes, when you just want to move your body, maybe yeah. have like a good stretch, yep. do some yoga and just like loosen up your body. If you want to go for a walk with your family, yeah. walk your dogs, something that has – Good intentions. Yeah. And you're not, similar to not looking at food groups on the plate, you're not looking at, you know, energy expenditure. You're looking at 
Uh, I like to use exercise, whether it's walking old mate Hamilton or <laughs> having a stretch or, you know, doing some weights, whatever it is. I like to do it because it's a really nice outlet Yeah, away from study, just away. Like it's it's a whole new type of exercise and a whole new relationship with exercise yeah. that it's not about numbers. No. It's not about physique. Yes, exactly. It's not about either of those things. It's just about you want to move your body you want to join in on a family walk, you want to, I don't know, go climb a mountain with your friends, something, maybe he's into that one. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't do that, (laughs) no. But, yeah, when it's something that you enjoy and you don't feel like you have to do it, like if Mm, you plan to, I don't know, I plan to take Hamilton for a walk on Wednesday before work since I was working from home. I woke up and it was raining and I didn't want to get out of bed early. And, yeah, it was really freaking cold and dark. And I was like, you know what? We're not going to go for a walk before work. And I was okay with that. So I knew that if I did go for a walk, it wasn't going to be disordered. But I had the, made the decision to not go for a walk. And equally, it wasn't disordered. It yeah. was just I decided it because the weather and everything didn't line up. Yeah, and that makes sense. Um, I think on that note, you've very much led into when you can take rest days. Yes. and not feel panicked yes or when you can one. take spontaneous rest days so you yeah. didn't plan for it to be a no exercise exactly day. if you had plans to go to the gym after work and someone invites you to dinner instead and yeah. you can go to dinner and not freak out about it no. because you just had a better you had a better offer yeah or you really wanted to see that friend or yeah. whatever reason you that's when you know that it's time yes and this will hit a lot of people in melbourne hard at the moment with the gyms closed yes if the lockdown has caused an inordinate amount of panic and fear from not being able to go to the gym maybe it's time to reconsider that relationship a little possibly you went back a little early okay that's okay we all do it but yeah i guess the no judgment either way, guys. Like lockdown. <laughs> no, not at all. Lockdown is so hard. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if if you feel like you are, it's a compulsion and it's something that you get there and you don't want to do it. Yeah, and you can't turn around and walk out because I've gone to the gym a couple of times, done like five minutes of weights or whatever, and realized that I wasn't feeling it that day, and I've actually left after yeah. only five minutes. I think that's with most things, like, obviously, like, there are some things you have to do, like, yes, work. You can't you just need. go to work and be like, ah, I'm not vibing today, guys. We'll try again tomorrow. Bye. No, it doesn't want no. to work like that. But with things like, you know, when you have to listen to your intuition, you have to listen to things like mindful movement and the self-carey things yeah. in life, you don't have to force yourself to do something that's going to negatively impact yeah. your mental state. Um, but, you know, like... Do go to work and stuff. (laughs) We're definitely not telling you to not go to work. (laughs) What a podcast. (laughs) Well, this is a good one for talking about gyms. Oh, yeah. When you can attend the likes of a gym or some sort of training institution without engaging in disordered comparison. Yeah. Because a lot of gyms – oh, sorry. No, 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 you go. I was going to say a lot of gyms do like eight-week challenges and six-week challenges and – have posts before and after pictures of people in the challenges or even just seeing other people around the gym because yeah. everyone's going to have different goals for their exercise. Yeah. And if you can't look at other people's bodies in active wear and watch, I don't know, maybe see them lifting weights or whatever, if you can't look at that and not be triggered or not make disorder comparisons, then it's 
probably not the right time to be going to the gym. Yeah. And sometimes you'll have lapses and relapses and it's okay if you do go to the gym and it's like, not can't do this. Yeah. You step away and you go home. Um, I've had to, I've, I've had to this, I don't know, the number of times I've had to stop a gym membership yeah. for a lapse or a relapse. Yeah. It happens. It and happen. it's, it's really important because then you're not wasting money as well. Yes. Uh, because we like money. We do. Um, also, just that note on disordered comparisons. Yeah. Comparisons are human. Exactly. Everyone compares. I do go to the gym and I look at, you know, a guy lifting weights. And I'm like, shit, I could never do that. Yeah. That's a comparison, but I'm not feeling bad about myself. No. I'm just, just like, like, that's a, that's really heavy. Yeah. I can't do that. No. And that's okay. Um, but so, disordered comparisons are different. What yes. do we mean by that? So we mean the ones that feed your eating disorder mm. and may either – cause you to act out in a disordered fashion yeah or dictate your mood and yeah. thoughts yes. because you don't have to engage in a behavior for it to have a negative impact on you absolutely um, it can affect your mood a lot and your thoughts yeah and you might not realize you might go to the gym come home and feel really shit and not want to eat yeah and wonder why and it could be because of that yeah so it's a it's a, it's a difficult one and it's one to keep an eye on because um, obviously, gym gym culture can be really toxic, and people who have eating disorders can very much go to the gym. Yeah. Um, so you might find yourself comparing yourself to others, um, and you just have to check in. Yeah. See what, what your you intentions mean? are. Yeah. Oh, this last one. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. When is it time to say that you've recovered from your eating disorder? Great, great question. <laughs> and the answer is we don't have an answer. We don't. I think it's different for every single person. Yes. And I think the term recovered is fluid. Yeah. There's no – It's not like – There's no state of remission. Yeah. yeah. It's not a cold or it's not cancer or a broken bone no. where you can tangibly see. Yeah. You can't take a blood test and see how much anorexia or <laughs> bulimia or osphet or whatever it is. You can't – You can't. You can't just, quantify it. No. And – I think it is such a fluid state that a lot of the time I think I'm recovered, but then sometimes a thought pops up or something like that and I'm like, shit, I'm not, but it's so confusing. It is very confusing. And so I think if you're at a point where you're questioning whether you're recovered or not, that's brilliant. Yeah. Because you're, you're at a good place. But try not to get – because I get anxious about it. I'm like, yeah. am, I, am I not? But you do have to step back and be like, whoa. Is my life better for recovery? Am I living to my values? Yeah. And if you are, that's that's awesome. Absolutely. And I think even though we say it's, well, it is different for every single person and there's no timeline here, I don't think you can say you're recovered after one day of following a meal plan. No, that is very <laughs> true. <laughs> if you've just recently been put on a meal plan or started complying with a meal plan or started complying with exercise restrictions or whatever your treatment team has said, and it's literally been a day, like maybe you can't call yourself recovered yet. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I think we do have to be careful with our eating disorders. Yeah, because your eating disorder can trick you and say that you're recovered. So you stop seeing people, you stop meal plan, you start, you start exercising, exercising Yeah, you start doing everything your eating disorder wants you to yeah. do. If so your eating disorder dictates the term recovered, probably not recovered. Yeah, and also, yeah, if you are questioning this, check in with your support. Yeah. Bounce things off, like just, just up because 
especially health professionals. Health professionals, yeah, especially the eating disorder trained. Yeah, they've seen however many patients before them and however many patients after you. And, and they've probably also got a long history with you Yeah, and know you and your intentions. Yeah, and just know, like, we don't know what recovered is. Yeah, I think I don't know if I'm recovered yet, that's the end goal, obviously. Yeah. But I think it's not a conscious decision where you don't decide, okay, I'm recovered today. No. I think it's more of a realisation. Yeah, you look back and you're like, this doesn't cause me stress or that, like, I'm able to do X, Y, Z or I can live without anxiety of this. Or Like, there's yeah. just so many different factors that go into it. And Usually it is through retrospection and being like, oh, wait, I just did this, which I used to do, and it would cause me to, like, break down for 10 days. And yeah. now it's just a part of my day. Yeah. Um, it's and a- I think there's different states of it as well. Like, I recently, I saw my dietitian this week, and she said to me, you don't need to make another appointment. You can just call me if you have any issues. And I think... I think that now I consider myself closer to recovered than I did before that conversation. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that today I think I am recovered. Tomorrow I might think that. And then the day after that I might go back to questioning. Yeah. So it's not really a final destination. No. So if you are out there and questioning it and feeling almost that imposter syndrome in another way, (laughs) try to be nice to yourself, try to be gentle and know that no one really knows. Like it's like life in general. No one really knows. Knows exactly. what's going on, guys. No one. You kind of just um, see what happens, hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, I think well, it's a very final place to end this one, <laughs> isn't it? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, however close I am to recover, recover, it's a really nice, nice place yeah, to be in. Yeah, it is. Um, cool. Thanks okay. for listening, guys. Thank you Thanks. for – I actually really enjoyed today. Yes, I? It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as well, <laughs> not just us. Yeah. I mean, we love having fun, but we hope it's beneficial. Um, um, as always, if it's brought up anything for you, just head to imnotfine.podcast on Instagram and you'll find links to EDV, EDQ, Butterfly and Lifeline. Also, if you have any feedback or anything, like hit us up on Instagram. We're yeah. pretty responsive and we do enjoy hearing who this is reaching. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll be throwing out another poll soon. Yes, to, um, for another question and answer. So keep yeah. an eye out that yeah because we really love getting an idea of what we should be focusing on yeah cool thanks